Praise the Lord. What a great message of hope we have today to think about and to share. I love the music, and I'm glad that you're watching with us, and we want to spread the, the lesson of hope today. What are the essentials of hope? The coronavirus has asked companies and workers to determine what businesses and what personnel in those businesses will be declared as essential. You can check it out online. It's a long list. But how about the definition of essential? It might be something like this, that to be essential is to be absolutely needed, to be necessary, to be the key, to be needed, to be crucial to your company. The term of essential worker has really been uh, kicked back and forth and it sponsored much debate. What companies are essential? And some of those actually surprise us. But when it comes to the resurrection, the resurrection of Jesus Christ, this truth is absolutely essential. In fact, Peter says it like this. He says this in Peter, 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. That is a living hope. And what people need today is not just a cure of the coronavirus, but the cure for sin. And Jesus gives us the answer. He is the cure. Paul shares it in a different way in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 17. If Christ has not been raised... Your faith is worthless. It's essential. If he's not raised, you're still in your sins. Writer Chris Reynolds says this about the resurrection being essential, and he reminds us of two things. When it comes to the resurrection, the resurrection is not a reincarnation. It's not Jesus just coming back to life again. No, he actually died. The resurrection is not resuscitation. He didn't just get a little sick and get a little weak and all of a sudden feel better. No, he says, Chris Reynolds says, the resurrection is a body dead then raised to never die again. Well, we have before us a couple chapters that I, I, I challenge myself to try to blend in this sermon. And it's a little different for me to do this, to preach from two chapters. So if you have Bibles, you're going to need to look at chapter 11 as well as chapter 15. And when you look at these chapters, they relate to each other. And the connection is this. How does communion, the Lord's Supper, connect to the resurrection? And there's a really key connection, and I want to point that to, out to us today for observation. And so to begin with, if you look at chapter 15 and verse 3, here's what the Apostle Paul said. For I pass on to you, and underline this, as most important what I also received. Here it is. Here's what he delivered. That Christ died for our sins according to the Scripture that he was buried, and that he was raised on the third day according to the Scriptures. And then if you look back at chapter 11, he says the same thing as he's preparing uh, to share the emphasis of, and the importance of the Lord's Supper. He says again in chapter, chapter 11, he says, For I received from the Lord what I passed on to you. So the first point is simply this, that it is essential when it comes to the resurrection, it is essential when it comes to communion that these two texts ask us to look back, to look back, to look back at that. It's important that we do that. What are the essential facts of the living Savior? And when Jesus gave the Lord's Supper, he talked about the essential facts of life, that we have his bread and his body and his blood is sacrificed. The essential facts of the resurrection is that Jesus died, but he lives. What are the essential truths? I think there are some wonderful facts we've got to look at. And when you look at life, there's some essential facts of life. 
Thoreau said it like this. There are three essentials you need in life. Here's what he said. Food. Everybody get that? Everybody's worried about food these days. Shelter. Sometimes we're tired of sheltering in place. Can I get a witness? I can hear you out there online. And then clothing. Food, shelter, and clothing. I think he missed one. Thoreau missed one. In Walden's Pond, he said food, shelter, and clothing. He missed one. It's essential that you have a Savior. It's essential that we find someone that can give the answer to death and sin. The resurrection. We could ask this question. Is it fact or fiction? Paul Sells shares these facts. He says the resurrection is a transferable truth. So he said in the Lord's Supper, he said in the resurrection, I receive this, and now I'm challenging you to believe it. That's what happens when parents tell their children about Jesus, you transfer that truth. And we are still, the modern church, even online and throughout our witness, when we gather together, we're still transferring to our world that Jesus lived, that Jesus died, and that he rose again. And next week we'll talk about this. He's coming back, folks. He's coming back. The resurrection is a transferable truth from Paul, uh, from, to Paul, from Paul now to us, and from us to other people. The resurrection is a testimonial truth. Those who witnessed it, hundreds of people saw the resurrected Savior. And we still believe in a resurrected Savior. The resurrection is a tested truth. The Bible says this in verse 3, that it's according to the Scripture. This is not according to trend. This is not according to religion. This is according to the Bible, the written Word of God. The essential facts of resurrection, the resurrection is simply this. Jesus died by crucifixion. Jesus was buried and he rose from the grave. In Mark chapter 14, the Bible says this in verse 50. The early disciples ran away when Jesus was arrested. But less than two months later, these disciples that ran boldly came back and proclaimed Jesus is alive. And I want to make this clear to you out there that we spread this to our world. There are many people who have run away from the church, run away from the Lord. I want you to come back and join us again in a fresh new way that Jesus, our Savior, lives. You know, there's a wonderful song written by Bill Gaither and, and sung beautifully by Guy Penrod, and uh, it's called Then Came the Morning. I want you to listen to some of the text. They all walked away with nothing to say. They just lost their dearest friend. And that he, all that was said, and now he's dead. So this is the way it would all end. This is not over. The dreams they had dreamed were not what they dreamed. Now that he's dead and gone, the garden, the jail, the hammer and the nail, how could it not be so long? And then the chorus. Then came the morning. Night turned to day. The stone was rolled away. Hope rose with that dawn. And I want to challenge you to know this, that we have the essential message that we look back and realize Jesus did die, but Jesus did go to the buried in the grave, and he was also resurrected. The second essential we see in preparing for the Lord's Supper today is this, that the resurrection and the Lord's Supper is essential to the promotion and the, and the encouragement to faith. In chapter 11, verse 28, it says that a person should, should look back. It's essential that we look back and say, what are, we, what are we here about? What are we still doing this for in church? We, we, we know that Jesus died thousands of years ago, but we're still preaching that message. Why? Because we've taken a good look back. We look back in Scripture. We look back in testimony. We look back in history. And Jesus actually died, and he lives. The Bible says we should examine our hearts in chapter 11. And then in chapter 15, it says this. If Christ is not raised, your faith is worthless, and you're still dead in your sins. 
So I think the resurrection as well as the communion service calls us to do this. Is my faith in a living Lord really real? Is he real to you? There are three essentials in promoting this faith. The first essential is there's a, it's the message from God. This is the essential message. The church that fails to preach the resurrection will fail. There's only one reason why churches stay alive is that Jesus is still alive and we know he lives in us. The resurrection is essential in the message. It's essential in the meaning of the gospel because the gospel is, it is about the resurrection. Jesus lives. The resurrection is essential to salvation. This is the message of salvation. Now I want to just make sure we get this right. Sometimes people say, well, it's not necessary to believe in the resurrection. There are all kinds of theories about the resurrection, about what happened. Let me just make this very clear. You must, one must, investigate and come to a place of de decision to accept that Jesus lived, died, and rose again. And if Jesus is still in the grave, and you won't find him there, if Jesus is still in the grave, your faith is, is not real. Can you prove that? Well, let me just say this. Here's why it's so essential. The Bible says this in Romans. Paul writes in Romans chapter 10, verse 9. If you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart, follow this, that God has raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. I want to pause there. If you're listening to this, it's a very important thing that we get this. If you've never confessed with your mouth that you believe Jesus is Lord, if you've never believed in your heart and accepted the fact that he's living, he's resurrected, then you need to do that right now. Make that confession. It is necessary that a person believes in the resurrection. Paul is saying this, that if a person denies the resurrection, there's no possibility of salvation because Jesus is still in the grave. He failed. But when he came out of the grave, up from a grave, the old song says, up from a grave he arose as a mighty victor of the froze. He defeated death. And if you want something that defeats your death and lets you walk to heaven one day and walk in the pearly, in the pearly gates and walk on the streets of gold, if you want something, it's because you've accepted a resurrected Savior. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 7 that God, Jesus, is able to completely save those who come to him since he always, follow this, always lives to intercede for them. We prayed this morning several times. We're going to pray more in this service. But what happens to our prayers is Jesus puts them at the feet of God, at the throne of God, and he intercedes. He says, go ahead and listen to their prayer because they're washed in the blood. We have this resurrected Savior. <laughs> My question is this. This morning, will you ask yourself honestly, in this moment, do I presently believe in a resurrected Savior? Is Christ still living to me? Do you believe he's a resurrected living Savior? In Macomb County, Michigan, there's a cemetery called Resurrection Cemetery. And that really should be a great title for a cemetery. <laughs> Resurrection. Because one day, all those who believe in Jesus and they get buried, they're going to come out of those graves. In Macomb County, there's this cemetery called Resurrection Cemetery. And there are people who sell plots there, funeral plans. <laughs> and one company advertised, they were selling plots, they advertised uh, death and they asked this question, Are you prepared? Let me say to you, the only way to be, to be prepared to face a casket, the only way to be prepared to face a cemetery, to face your burial, to face your death, is to place your faith in a living, resurrected Savior. I encourage you to find that gospel truth. And if you're listening to this and you've never asked Jesus to be your Savior, I pray that you would right now.
pray and say, God, I believe that Jesus lives and he lives in me. It's essential that we not only look back, but it's essential that we look ahead. In chapter 11, verse 26, it says, uh, we proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. The, the Lord's Supper just reminds us that Jesus died. And who could ever forget that? In chapter 15, it says in verse 52, in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, the trumpet, uh, the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised incorruptible and we will be changed. There are a lot of people in discussion right now about the future. What's the future of jobs? And we pray for you because we know that our economy, as we have known it, is really going to be blown apart. What is the future? Nobody knows. We'll have to work our way through that. They're talking about the future of the stock market, and who really knows what's going to happen in the stock market? And many people are really stressed out over that. What's the future of America? What's the future of education, teachers and schools and all that? What's the future of this? The church. Is this going to change how the church does its work? Here's a new thought. Not just the future of jobs, stock market, America, education, and the church. Here's a new thought that everybody should ask. In light of this potential dangerous thing that hit our world, that we never saw coming, what is the future of you? What is the future of me? What is the future of mankind? And I have a great promise. Everything will end out right if you have a Savior. We need a Savior. Is there hope beyond this life? For the person who believes in the resurrection, death is but a stepping stone. But we have to remind ourselves that death is not a prison. For many it is. That's it. They close the casket and then they're locked up. But, but the Bible says this, that Jesus opens the grave. He opens the burials. And we step our way into eternity. What this verse says in chapter 15, verse 52, because of the resurrection, three things happen. We'll be changed in a moment. A twinkling of eye. Blink. Wouldn't it be great if we could just kind of blink and all this be over? But when you come to the end of your life and the end of time and we face eternity, God says, I'm going to change the whole situation in a blink. It takes us a while to work through situations. God says, I can do that in a blink of an eye. Wouldn't it be great if God would just kind of blink a little bit and change the situation with the coronavirus? God can do things quickly, what we have to work so hard to work through. We're changed in a moment. We're cured for death, from death. I think it would be unwise and uncaring and very hurtful if the church didn't think about all the people in America that lost their lives. And, and not just for them, but all those families who are grieving, those children who don't have a parent to come home to, those grandparents that aren't there to be able to visit anymore, those people who had influence in society, society not to see anymore, there'll be an empty seat at the dinner table, and there'll be tears, and we pray for them. We pray God's amazing grace will find you, and you'll find his truth. They'll be cured, changed, cured. And then it says this, we'll be clothed with eternal life. The Bible says, death passed upon all men for all of sin. We're clothed with death. Everything that says this in Scripture, the person that born is born will one day die unless you have a Savior that gives you eternal life. And that's a promise of the resurrection. You may have watched these things happen driving down the road. You know that possums are not very smart animals. Uh, you wouldn't think so because you hardly ever see one unless it's dead in the middle of the road. But there's a joke that goes like this. Why did the chicken cross the road? 
The answer is to prove to the possum it could be done. <laughs> but possum, as it turns out, possums, as it turns out, they, they are smart. Did you know this, that a possum will never enter a hole if there's just one set of tracks going in? Because if they get to that hole where there's a set of tracks going in, they said, I'm not going in there, it's still possessed. But when they see a second set coming out, they know that somebody or something had walked into that hole and also had walked out of the hole. The message of Easter is similar. We can enter the, when we enter the grave, we don't have to fear death because there are tracks not just leading to it. There are tracks leading out of it. Jesus left tracks away from the tomb. And the Apostle Paul proclaimed this Easter message in, in chapter 15. Where, O oh death, is your victory? Where, O oh death, is your sting? A lot of people are talking about the virus. And I think across America, more than usual, people are talking about death. We have this Easter the answer to their questions. The end of their search is found in a resurrection Savior. So here's the, tr the great truth. Jesus left tracks to his grave. You can read it in the Bible. Jesus left tracks that he was in the grave. But you can also read in the Bible, he left tracks out of the grave. When they tried to visit Jesus that first Easter morning, the angel says this message. He is not here. He is risen. Jesus walked out of the grave. We proclaim by the power of the resurrection that death has been swallowed up in victory. We say with our heart what Paul says, where death is your victory, where death is your sting. But we say this great proclamation in our faith this Easter. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through Jesus Christ our Lord. Would you pray with me? Father in heaven, as we prepare to sing the next song and preparing our hearts for communion, we pray that we would do what the communion table says, this do in remembrance of me. And as we remember and as we reflect, I pray that if there's a person in this, under the sound of this presentation, under the sound of any church that's preaching the gospel today, that there would be a personal prayer that goes like this. Lord, I know that I'm a sinner. And I know that I need Jesus as my Savior. Please, Jesus, come into my life and forgive me my sins and become my Savior. And the Bible says this, that whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And I want to encourage you, if you did pray that prayer, would you indicate it by reaching out to us, by calling, or make it in your notes as you share and watch this program. But let's just seal that prayer. God in heaven, I pray that everybody that heard this message would receive Jesus Christ by your wonderful grace. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.